What's next for Tom Brady? That's the big question that reporters had after he and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost their wild card game to Dallas last week, 31-14. At the post-game press conference, Brady wasn't saying all that much. I'm going to go home and get a good night's sleep as good as I can tonight and just be one day at a time, truly. And so now the speculation begins yet again over whether the 45-year-old seven-time Super Bowl champ is going to retire like he did last year after losing a playoff game. Of course, as we all know, that retirement did not last, and he was back with the Bucks after just 40 days. At the press conference last week, Brady seemed pretty low-key. We're very grateful for everyone's support. I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me. So is that a goodbye? I mean, a goodbye to Tampa or to the game or maybe just to the season? Don't look at us. Even though Brady is co-founder of Religion of Sports, we don't have a clue either. Brady did talk about one of his teammates during that press conference, center Ryan Jensen, who had been out with an injury the entire season until that wildcard game. Just super proud of him and all that he's gone through this year. You know, it's a tough injury that he had and battled all the way back and really committed himself the last six, eight weeks to prepare himself to play and did it. So it says a lot about who he is. Certainly a guy you can depend on and count on. For Jensen and other players, the whole thing might feel like being trapped in some sort of NFL time loop, like history is repeating itself. I spoke to Ryan Jensen in the offseason about last year's playoff loss to the LA Rams. Morale was down and, and it was a bad spot. This is January 23rd, 2022, and the Buccaneers are facing the LA Rams in the divisional playoffs at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. The winner of this game would go on to the NFC Championship, and the Rams, they were dominating most of the game. With three minutes left in the third quarter, the Rams are up 27-6. We're down four scores with 20 minutes left in the game. That's impossible against this defense. Then Tom Brady starts doing what Tom Brady does. He's the king of comebacks. Tom Brady's so amazingly comfortable in this situation. Jensen says Brady gave the team a pep talk, telling everybody to start focusing on the little things, which could lead to the big plays. It was just focusing on making sure protections are, are sound and we're you know, taking care of the people we need to take care of. You know, if we're double-teaming somebody, making sure we're getting that done with receivers, making sure they're hitting their landmarks and playing twitchy, as, as Tom always says. Tom's always talking to the skill guys, play twitchy, play twitchy, play fast. The strategy works. The Bucks score two unanswered touchdowns, bringing them within one TD of tying the game. With 46 seconds left in the game, Tampa needs a first down. It's fourth and one, and we line up in a pretty tight formation. Here we go. Look at the pile of players in there to try and stop this. Everybody knows in the world we're running the ball. We're, we're handing the ball to Lenny. Lenny is running back Leonard Fournette. Brady's going to hand it off. It's Fournette. He's going to take it to the end zone. Nine yards. This is officially lunacy. It was just rolling. It was the loudest the stadium's ever been. And now, crowd wants to quiet down for a second because Suckup needs to make the extra point. Kenyon puts it down. Twenty-seven, twenty-seven. At that point, I'm like, all right, we're going to win this game. Rams get it, 42 seconds. We were in our groove. We were feeling good. We had their defense on their heels. They couldn't stop us. They were gassed out. But so now it's the Rams and quarterback Matt Stafford's turn to make some magic. They need to get into field goal range. Jensen is watching from the sidelines. 
I'm amped up. I'm a, I'm a pretty fiery guy. So I'm, I'm on the sideline, like kind of like pacing back and forth like a, like a pissed off bull. And all he keeps thinking is... Keep 10 contained. Keep 10 contained. Number 10, that would be Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup, one of the best in the league. Stafford's hucking the ball 50 feet in the air. Stafford, deep downfield. He's got Cup again. He's at the 10. In that moment, when he caught that ball, it was just like instant dagger to the heart. The Rams are a field goal away from winning. Kicker Matt Gay takes the field. Matt Gay boots it through. And the Rams, by the hair of their skinny teeth, team. Rams win 30-27. to 27. At that point, I wish we would have just lost by 40 because of the emotional roller coaster. This is In the Moment from Religion of Sports and PRX. I'm David Green. Each week, we get the athlete's point of view on key moments in sports. This week, the big news is Tom Brady. Will he or won't he retire? And we'll hear from his center, Ryan Jensen, on what it's like playing with Brady and what we might take away from what happened last year. Is this how the greatest quarterback of all time is going to go out? Personally, I, I didn't see him going out that way. We'll have more after a break. What is actually going on with the economy nowadays? The price of gas? Inflation? Are we in a recession? I'm Jeff Guo, co-host of NPR's Planet Money. Come along with our super team of econ experts as we delve into the stories that show you how the world really works. That's Planet Money from NPR. At 6'4 and about 320 pounds, Ryan Jensen is known for his size and his unruly red hair. He was drafted by the Ravens in 2013, then signed with the Bucks in 2018. And he was the center in 2021, the first year Tom Brady was with the team. That's the year they won Super Bowl 55. Jensen was also named to the NFC Pro Bowl roster that year. This season, he was out until last week's game. He suffered this major knee injury during the preseason. While he didn't need surgery, it took five months to heal. I talked to him before the injury, and last year's game against the Rams was still on his mind. He remembers what it felt like when Cooper Cup caught that pass that ended up costing the Bucks the game in their home stadium. The air coming out of a stadium is something I'll never forget because... When he caught that ball, the stadium was rocking. And then all of a sudden it went, I mean, you could hear a pin drop. When Cup caught that ball. When, when, the, when Cooper caught line. that ball. And the stadium just went silent. And all you heard was their sideline celebrating and cheering. And that sound, I can't, I'll never be able to forget that sound. Because it was, it was such an eerie feeling, an eerie sound. It's like silence and then 60 guys on the other sideline freaking out so interesting because i bet a lot of this sport fans and players can't really share a moment or an experience but that that feeling you're describing i feel like every single bucks fan in that stadium felt the same 
thing you were feeling. Yeah, it was crazy because it's like that reaction between fans and, and players and especially in a home stadium like that, it was immediately everybody just went to like the the surrender cobra. You know, they everybody put their head on there and it was just like, what just happened? And, uh, you know, they're they're freaking out. They kick the field goal. Then again, it's like it's dead silent. Kick the field goal. They make it. And, you know, they their silent goes berserk again. And it it's a sound and a feeling that definitely will stick with me for uh, the rest of my life. What was the first thing you remember saying to someone or having someone say to you? It was pretty silent for a little bit, you know. I remember just walking into the locker room and standing there. Just stood there at my locker and then sat down and everybody was just kind of like sitting there and there's nobody really talking to anybody. It was just everybody needed a, a couple moments to really figure out what, what had just happened. B.A. brought up the team. and Coach Bruce Arians. Yeah, right? yeah Bruce Arians. And everybody was still kind of like in shock, BAs, you know, giving us an emotional speech. And one of those moments where it's like, this team will never be this team again. You know, there's there's always moving parts in the NFL. And, you know, you look around at all the guys that are in that locker room that you, you went on this journey with, this 20-week, 24-week journey to get to this point. And you look around, and it's like, all right, there's there are going to be guys in here that aren't, aren't here next year. And this team is always, you know, is re- evolving. And, you know, that, that locker room was, you know, a special locker room. And we, we brought back a lot of those guys, but there's also, you know, there's new guys. So it's it's tough. It was just one of the most tight-knit locker rooms that we'd ever been a part of. But you go from that speech, you go sit at your, your chair, get undressed, get ready to take a shower and all that. You know, you're, you're still kind of having, you're giving yourself a pity party. And, and then, you know, it's like, all right, time to time to move on. Start moving on a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you start talking to your teammates, and you know, you start congratulating, you know, your guys, you know, especially for if you made it through the season healthy, and you go into the normal progression of of like grieving the different stages, and then you know, you get back to like, all right, cool. Now let's let's make sure everybody everybody else is good, and and go from there. But, Do you talk to your brother at all? Yeah, definitely. Like it's hard because he was at the game. My whole family was at the game. I wanted my dad to drive home with me and whenever life gets hard for me and I just need like advice mm-hmm. I always I always talk to my dad just he's very intelligent and he knows how to he knows how to talk to me mm-hmm. what did he tell you in the truck it was just it, you know we, we talked about everything about is this my last game ever in an emotional roller coaster like that it's tough because you know you start thinking about well you know that was that was fun can I prepare myself another season to go put myself through potentially something like that. You know, we're we're just talking about everything. We're talking about free agency. We're talking about, you know, the house. We're talking about stuff back in Colorado. It was just this conversation about life, you know, being a good role model for, you know, for my kids, being a good role model for for kids that look up to me that, you know, from my community or from, you know, Tampa or, or it's just a dad conversation about life and a 15, 20 minute drive from the stadium to my house. And that's what I needed. Because I, I know when I when I got to the house, and, you know, I had my whole family there, uh, my niece, my nephew, my kids, everybody. My nephew came up to me, kind of like guarded. You know, he's he's ten. Sure, everyone's like everybody's a little bit on edge. Can we talk to yeah, Uncle Ryan? <laughs> exactly. Everybody's a little like, you know, after a loss like that, everybody's expecting me to be a little salty and grouchy. Which you know, that's that's one of those things. Justified. It's, it's justifiable and and all that, but. My nephew comes up to me. He goes, "Hey, Uncle Red, I, I, uh, 
I'm sorry you guys lost. I love you. And, Uncle Red? Yeah, that's... Love it. Yeah. And um, I'm like, hey, buddy, thanks. I'm like, come here. Like, come give me a, come give me a hug and, and all that. And he goes, you're in a better mood than I thought. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but it's it's tough. But, you know, it's it's one of those deals that... That's football. It's an emotional game. And, and sometimes you come out on the on the shitty end of it. Now it goes from, from football, th- this game that we're playing right now, to... All of a sudden, now I'm in three months. I'm going to have to make life decisions on if I'm going to be back in a in a Bucks uniform, if I'm going to be somewhere else. So like, there's all these these crazy emotions that came out besides just being pissed off that we lost. The real challenge starts about you know making big boy decisions on the potential of, of leaving Tampa or staying and making the right choice and coming back. It was a big decision for me. Was Brady on your mind too? Like that might have been the last the last drive that you guys would. Yeah, whatever be teammate. I, definitely, I, I think that was kind of everybody's idea. Was <laughs> it's crazy to be a part of that? You know, thinking this is the end of his legacy, and you know, there was the the rumors going around and everything like that. But at the, in that in that moment, you're like, is this how the greatest quarterback of all time is going to go out? Personally, I didn't see it going that way. Just the competitor and and the things I've seen from him, I didn't see him going out that way. So when I heard he was going to retire, phone's blowing up. Everybody's ca- trying to call me. Media's reaching out to me. I'm like, what is going on? And then I saw that he had, you know, officially retired. For me, it just didn't really sit well because I, I didn't imagine him hitting his career ending that way. So you thought back, your mind immediately went back to that game. It went back to that, that game. I, and I remember talking to my dad and he goes, do you think he's really going to retire? I'm like, I, I don't know. The type of competitor he is, I don't see him going out that way. I sent him a text and was like, hey, you know, congrats on retirement. But in the back of my mind, I, I was like, I can't see him going out this way. And obviously, he unretired. But at the end of the game, just walking off the field, that range of emotion between, is this Tom's last game in the NFL? Is this my last game in Tampa? You know, am I going to have to move my whole family somewhere else? You know, there was just this range of emotions that was unexplainable. Jensen obviously ended up staying with Tampa, and now he has a contract through the end of the 2024 season. What many people might not know is that the NFL was never his dream growing up. He played in college at Colorado State Pueblo campus, but everyone in his family thought his older brother Seth was destined for the NFL, not Ryan. A lot of people don't know this about about me and, and about my brother, but like when I graduated high school, I was 210 pounds. Small guy, like a small guy compared to you know I'm 320 now, so yeah. I was just a I was a I was a late bloomer, uh, but you know my brother was six four, 285 pounds in seventh grade. He was built like a football player, just built like a you know a, a D1 athlete, which he was. He was a five star recruit coming out of high school. He could have gone to whatever school he wanted to. Uh, ended up going to the University of Nebraska. Was there for big time program, perennial top ten program in the sure. in the country, and he goes there and he had nine surgeries in two and a half years. He was. You know, always the better athlete, always the bigger, more developed guy. But his luck was shitty. You know, he had nine surgeries in two and a half years on his shoulders, knees. His appendix exploded. Like, just bad luck. And I'm in my senior year of high school, and he transfers to Pueblo. And he just can't do it anymore. Every day after practice, his knees would swell up and have fluid on his knees. You know, the, the pain got too much where it wasn't worth the fight anymore. And so he ended up, you know, stepping away from ball and... Just as you step into, just as I stepped I mean, in, it, and another kind of funny kind of segue to that is like I almost I almost didn't go to college. 
Wow. So out of high school, I went and worked for my, my uncle who owns his own roofing company up in uh, Fort Collins in northern Colorado. And I went and started working for him at, you know, 17, making, at the time, what I thought was just like ass-kicking money. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. I can do this. This is, you know, it's fun. I can work out in the sun, work with my uncle who I love. And what kind of work were you doing? Uh, roofing. Roofing. Okay. So I was tearing roofs off, yep. repairs, everything, a little bit of everything. And I'm like, ah. You know, I'd already committed, already signed my letter of intent to go play for, you know, a whole whopping two grand at the at Colorado State Pueblo. And so your brother had gotten a full ride there and they gave you two grand. Yeah. Like almost you felt like as a, hey, your brother's good. Like, yeah, exactly. You can kinda, come play too. Yeah, exactly. But then uh, my mom's like, well, how about this? How about you? You've already committed to it. You've already signed. You know, you have all your paperwork, yada, yada, yada. Go for a year. If you don't like it, you got 90 days. After you drop out, you got 90 days, you know, to take over your car payments, take over your cell phone and find somewhere to live. Wow. She's like, you got, you got three months. She told you to go just try one year. She goes, go try one year. Thank you, mom, for that Super Bowl ring that you're wearing. (laughs) Exactly. But I remember going into my junior year, just having a conversation with my brother about football and, you know, his kind of dream. And, you know, it was, it was always his dream to play in the NFL. Like me, I never thought I had an opportunity. I never thought I had a chance just because of my size. And, you know, it ended up, I was just kind of a late bloomer. And through college, I went from 225 pounds to 310 pounds my senior year. How do you build 100 pounds? Like, is that, I mean, for me, it'd be like if someone said, go gain 100 pounds, I'm, I'm like thinking pizza and Mickey D's. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, you're, I mean, is it like it's a very intense training program to? Yeah, some of it was genetics, but a lot of it was a lot of, a lot of hard work. I mean, like when I was trying to gain weight, and a lot of people don't realize, like, D2 football, you don't have, like, a training table, like, you know, the big-time programs where you can go and, you know, have steak every night. And I'm going to Wendy's and getting a, a Dave's classic triple. Well, so and, you really, it is like fast food. And and game that's, that's For me, that's what it was because okay. that's, what, that's what it had to be because I couldn't afford to eat properly healthy through college because, you know, I didn't have a per diem. I, by the end of the time, I was on a pretty much a full ride, but that didn't include food and board and all that. So I'm working summers, you know, making sure I have money to, to eat and, and live on. Where So summer work, eat a lot of Wendy's, work out. Summer work, eat a lot of Wendy's, exactly. work out. <laughs> exactly. So, like, that's what I had to do to gain gain the weight. And going into my junior year, uh, you know, having a conversation with my brother about it, dreams and this and that. And at that time, I'm just, I'm kind of playing for him. I My my sophomore year, I was kind of like, ah, I don't really know if I like football anymore. I, you know, I don't know if I want to play anymore. Like going after my sophomore year and I talked to my brother and he's like, oh, well, do what, do what you need to do. You know, I'm, I'm really proud of you. I'm really happy for you. Did and, he mean it? Like, was there some, oh, like, was there, like, there can be a complicated relationship where it's like pure love wanting you to succeed, but also feeling like, I wish I had that. No, I, I don't feel like there's any sense of resentment at all between me and my brother because, you know, like we mentioned, like, it was his dream to always play in the NFL, but, you know, the game got taken from him because of his injuries and, and stuff like that. And then he started seeing, you know, his little brother has success, which as an older brother, he always talks to me about. You know, you want to see your, your siblings succeed and, you know, be kind of that leader, you know, bring your your siblings up with you and, and stuff like that. So I never felt any resentment. But when we had that conversation, it, it kind of re-energized me to, you know, not take advantage of, of this game because this game is it's an awesome game. And uh, the amount of life lessons and stuff that you can you can learn from it. So but what did he say to you in that conversation? It was just, stays with you? Just how proud of you of me he was like as a younger sibling you always want to make your your older brother proud of you so after that conversation i remember 
going into the first game, I'm getting all taped up and getting ready. And I'm just kind of like, I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm, I'm playing for my brother. He's, he's with me. I'm playing this game because he loves this game. I love the game too, but you know, I want to, I want to do something for him. And then from that, that point on through the rest of my college career on my tape, I always put HDTM, which is his dream through me. Oh, wow. And you know, You'd write that on, I would on write that, tape, I would right? write that on my tape. And it was just like one of those things that just kept me, it just reminded me whenever I started feeling sorry for myself in a game or in general, I'd see that on my tape and be like, all right, hey, listen, like, this is easy. Like, you're not, you're going through some, a hard time in a game or you're tired or you're fatigued or whatever, but he would, he would do anything to, to be out here on the field. I read a story that you gave your mom, was it the tape, some tape or something else that, that you had written that on that yeah, to so, give to your brother? So uh, I gave it to, I gave it to my brother. Some of the tape from a game. Yeah. The first, the first, uh, game of the year we were playing West Texas A&M they were uh, a top like top 10 team division two and at that point we weren't ranked and everybody had written us off um this was like the first year we were like a, a very very good team and we went in there and and kicked their ass we took it to them kind of shocked the D2 world a little bit and I just remember you know that was the first game I'd ever written that on my tape I'm like oh, I'm, you know kind of corny i'm like oh, i'm gonna give that to my brother and see how he you know just give it to him because whatever and i don't think it's corny it's it's beautiful yeah and uh you know his reaction was just awesome like like tears it was a pretty cool brother moment for sure up next i'll talk to ryan about what it's like to be the guy who protects tom brady and also get some insight into what might be going through brady's mind after last week's loss back after this break What's it like being the guy who protects Tom Brady? <laughs> it's it's funny because Tom, like going from like pass protection, protecting him that way, but then also like protecting him after plays and, and stuff like that. I remember he threw a pick, and a, a defensive player was like kind of like going after him, trying to like block him, and then you know Tom's over there like throwing elbows and hitting him and shit. <laughs> and I'm like, Tom, what are you doing? Stop! And then the guy kept going at him, and I just remember coming in and kind of getting in the middle and and stopping it. And it's a thankless job. You know, a lot of people don't appreciate it. Like, my teammates appreciate it, but other people don't get the understanding behind, like, the pride I take in in making sure my guys are good. Does Tom appreciate it? Oh, he definitely. He definitely appreciates it. It's uh, kind of that relationship between, like, a center and a quarterback is that relationship bonds really quick because he's communicating, I'm communicating to my guys, I'm communicating to him. So, like, you have to have a good relationship. And if I didn't care about him, he didn't care about me. It would be one of those things where that would be very devastating to the success of the team because we have to be on the same page and we have to be, you know, in good working standard. On the outside, I mean, we hear a lot of you guys talk about how Tom Brady can change the culture of an offense and a, and a team and a franchise. Convince me. Like, what is there a story or something that we haven't heard that, that would, would kind of convince us of that? I mean, I, I think the thing with Tom is that's true when it comes to changing the culture of a team or changing the skill set of a team. For example, like my first couple of years in Tampa, we had a, a very talented football team, but we couldn't put things together. There was always something in every game that we lost that there was something that we couldn't do correctly or we couldn't do right. I think what Tom brings is he brings this, this sense of accountability and this, this sense of leadership where he knows everybody's name on the team and he knows kind of their story and he knows who they are, you know, if they got families. And he knows how to how to talk to certain personalities where he can bring out the best in, in everybody. 
I think that's the biggest thing. Like the talent obviously is there, the decision making on the field, but the the leadership when it comes to bringing people along with him is a is a very hard skill not a lot of people have, but he's one of those guys that has that natural ability to elevate everybody that's around him. I mean, just looping back to the game before we end, um, Brady was brutalized in that game against the Rams. I mean, it looked like he was being chased all over the place. And did you take that personally? Yeah, definitely. I, I think as an offensive line group, we always prided ourselves about being, you know, the backbone of the team. That first half of that game, like we were, we were letting the team down. And I know we all took it very personal at halftime. And then we came back out and we, we got our shit together and, and started playing some good football. No excuses, but like you know, we were kind of banged up going into that game. Tristan Wirfs, all pro tackle, had a severe ankle sprain the week before. I had an ankle sprain that I was I was playing on. I could hide a little bit easier in, in the inside. No Chris Godwin. No Chris Godwin. You can put all the excuses in the world, but the fact of the matter is, as, as an offensive line, that first half of that game, we let the team down. We didn't play the type of football that we knew we could play. So yeah, I mean, it, it definitely. Took that personal uh, in that first half, that performance, and fed off that to finish the game strong. If you and I talk again in a few years, what moment would you think you'd want to talk about? Would it be football? Would it be non-football and more family? Like what? I think there's the football side of life, and then there's the the family side of life. For me, my next chapter after football's over with, you know, in, in a couple of years, whenever that may be, is what I want to do after football. And the big thing I want to do is we just bought a, a 600 acre ranch up in Colorado. Nice. It's not a working ranch, but I want to bring veterans out, and I want to bring you know first responders and firefighters and cops and people that have gone through hell in their life. And bring them up there for a week and take them hunting and and you know let them because we're up in the, we're up in the mountains it's beautiful and have like a, a week long healing retreat where you bring guys around who have gone through similar things that they have that have have figured out how to live with those kind of things and I want to help people I want to help veterans and and first responders get healthy. Your brother's a police officer, right? He is, yeah, for ten years. So you know, just talking to him about things that he's had to deal with and see and things that he's had to do while he's been a police officer like that's that's guarded to a lot of the general public there's a lot of things that police officers do that the the general public doesn't understand the toll that that takes on them and and you know the arguments always oh well they choose to do that profession and, and they do but there's also things that they see that the average human being shouldn't have to see and, and protect. So there's a lot of things from first responders to, to military that I want to I want to do to help them get mentally, get their life back. Has your brother struggled with his mental health being in that job? And Definitely. I mean, there's there's things that, you know, he's seen that, like I said, like, like people shouldn't see. And he's pretty open about talking about him with with certain people with me. He's he's open with talking about it. You know, everybody's got their box that they put their emotional trauma and stuff into. So when his bot, one of his boxes gets too full, he comes to me, and I, you know, I have a box put, you know, for him to put stuff in. So, uh, but no, it's it's a uh, that's what I want to do. I want I want to help people because there's you know too many veterans that that commit suicide on a daily basis, and uh, you know our, our country seems to forget about uh, once they they come home. So uh, that, that's something I want to I want to help you know fight that epidemic of you know, veterans and, and cops and firefighters that, that end up taking their own life because they 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 feel out of place and, you know, they, they went through things that they they think they can't handle anymore. And that's their way out. So I, I wanna I wanna help with that. That's something I wanna I wanna really get into. I can't let you go without asking about your number sixty six. <laughs> um that's your your brother 
Yeah. There's a connection there too, right? Yeah. So my, my brother always wore 66. Why did he choose that? I don't know. It just, it was his, it was his number. Seeing him wear it all the time, uh, you know, through high school. And then I, then I started wearing it my junior year of high school and I've worn it really ever since my first two years in, in Baltimore, I was 77 and I hated it. It just it didn't feel right. You know, I always, I played, I didn't play good. I, I was, you know, I got cut one year and I, I switched over to 66 and like, it's kind of funny the kind of story's written itself after that point, once I got, once I got my number back and got my brother's number back that, you know, the success has just continued to, to rise. So I started wearing it just cause you know, my brother wore it and then it's one of those things I've always kind of fought for it ever since. Ryan, thank you for all the time. It was really, really a pleasure talking to you. No problem. Appreciate you. That was Ryan Jensen, who plays center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, so to find out about our upcoming interviews, follow Religion of Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow me. I am at Fearless Green. That is Fearless underscore Green with an E on the end. If you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. I got to say, this show would not be what it is without an extraordinary team making it all happen. In the Moment is produced by Sarah McCrory. Sound design and mixing by Michael Raphael and Jocelyn Gonzalez at PRX Productions. Britt Kahn is our talent booker. Our production manager is BJ Olin. Story research was done by Joe Levin. Kevin Sullivan edited this episode and is the head of talk. Gotham Chopra, Amit Sankaran, and Adam Schlossman are our executive producers. And Fearless Media is our consulting producer. Also, special thanks to Teresa Tran. In the Moment is a production of Religion of Sports and PRX. I'm David Green. We're going to be back next week with another athlete and their moment.